I say to the, my girls all of the time that your real work is to figure out where your power base is and to work on the alignment of your personality, your gifts that you have to give with the real reason why you're here. That's, that's the number one thing you have to do is to work on yourself and to fill yourself up and keep your cup full, keep yourself full. Now I used to be afraid of that. I used to be afraid, particularly from people who say, oh, she's, she's so full of herself, mm, she's so full of herself. And now I embrace it. I, I consider it a compliment that I am full of myself. Because yeah. you only when you're full, I'm full, I'm overflowing, my cup runneth over. I have so much, I have so much to offer and so much to give. And I am not afraid of honoring myself, you know. It's miraculous when you think about it. One thing I, I really like about you is you are unusually fearless and willing to go in the face of other people telling you something is crazy. And I know a lot of pretty crazy people, you still stand out. Uh, where does that come from or how do you think about making a decision when everyone tells you this is a crazy idea? Or where do you get the internal strength to do that? Well, first of all, I'd say I actually think I, I, think I fear, feel fear quite strongly. Um, so it's not as though I just have the absence of fear. I've, I feel it quite strongly. Um, but there are just times when something is important enough, you believe in it enough, that you, you do it in spite of the fear. So speaking so of important things. It's like people shouldn't think, oh, I, 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 I should, shouldn't think, well, I feel fear about this, and therefore I shouldn't do it. Um, it's normal to, be, to feel fear. Like you'd have to, there'd have to be something mentally wrong if you didn't feel fear. Um, so you just feel it and let the importance of it drive you to do it anyway. Yeah, I, you know, I, actually, something that can be helpful is fatalism, uh, to some degree. Um, if you just if you just accept the probabilities, um, then that diminishes fear. Uh, so, um, when starting SpaceX, I thought the odds of success were less than ten percent, um, and I just accepted that actually probably I would just lose lose everything. Um, but that maybe would make some progress. If we could just move the ball forward, even if we died, maybe some other company could pick up the baton and move and keep moving it forward. Um, so that would still do some good. Um, yeah, same with Tesla. I thought you know, the odds of a car company succeeding were extremely low. I knew I was wired to be excited about business. How or why, I don't know. But. You know, and there's certain guys that have the genetics to jump out of the gym, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's certain guys, you know, that, you know, when they golf, they have the muscle memory and, and the discipline. You know, Dirk um, Nowitzki may not be the most talented guy in the NBA, but his discipline and his focus to do what's necessary to be successful, he's willing to do and combine it with being seven feet tall and being skilled, you know, it, it makes him an amazing basketball player. So it's, it's understanding what your skill set is, finding the right place to use those skills, and then going for it. You know, will that make you 250 grand? It depends if you pick the right industry. But whatever industry you pick, if you outwork everybody, if you try to be a little smarter than everybody, if you try to be a better salesperson than everybody, if you try to be better prepared than everybody, you've got your best chance. Because if you don't do it and somebody else does, you know, I have the saying, work like someone's trying to take it all away from you. You know, work, mm -hmm. I actually work mm -hmm. like someone's spending 24 hours, working 24 hours to take it all away from you. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of the way I look at it. And I remember 
asking my dad to, um, I wanted new basketball shoes because I was a basketball junkie back then. He's like, well, your shoes work. If you want a new pair of tennis shoes, you have to go out there and get a job. And I'm like, Dad, I'm, I'm 12 years old. And it just so happens he was playing poker with his buddies. And one of his buddies was like, well, I got a job for you. I've got these garbage bags that we distribute. You can sell them door to door. I'm like, okay. And it was when I was selling them and realizing that I like to sell and that I could sell and that I recognized that selling was, was about providing a service and creating value for people that I knew that I, I would, I literally back then, I knew that I could always succeed. Um, I mean, I remember I was 16, I think, when I, I started a stamp company and started going to, to stamp shows and trade shows and just working a little bit harder than other people and, and trading up from one stamp to the next. I remember one time I started with a quarter and bought a stamp and left with $50, thinking, hey, if I could do this, I could do anything. And, and it's not that everything worked. I failed a lot, but I never, ever felt like I, I wouldn't be able to work hard enough to succeed. A lot of people come to me and they say, well, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I go, oh, that's great. What's your idea? And they go, well, I don't have one yet. And I say, well, I think you should go get a job as a busboy or something until you find something you're really passionate about because it's a lot of work. And I'm convinced that about half of what separates the successful entrepreneurs from the non-successful ones is pure perseverance. It is so hard. You pour so much of your life into this thing. There are such rough moments in time that most people give up. I don't blame them. I mean, it's really tough. And it consumes your life. I mean, if, you're, if you've got a family and you're in the early days of a company, it's, I can't imagine how one could do it. I'm sure it's, it's been done, but it's rough. I mean, because it's a pretty much a, you know, an 18-hour-a-day job, seven days a week for a while. So unless you have a lot of passion about this, you're going to not survive. You're going to give it up. So you've got to have an idea of, and a, or a problem or a, a, a wrong that you want to write that you're passionate about. Otherwise, you're not going to have the perseverance to stick it through. And I think that's half the battle right there. It's hard to remember how bad it was, you know, in 19, early 80s. With IBM taking over the world with the PC, with DOS out there, it was, it was far worse than the Apple II. And they tried to copy the Apple II and they'd done a pretty bad job. And it, you needed to know a lot. And so things were kind of slipping backwards. And Macintosh was, you saw the 1984 commercial. You put the, I hope you have that in your archives. You know, Macintosh was basically this, uh, this relatively small company, you know, in Cupertino, California, taking on the Goliath, IBM, and saying, wait a minute, your way is wrong. This is not the way we want computers to go. This is not the legacy we want to leave. This is not what we want our kids to be learning. This is wrong, and we are going to show you the right way to do it. And here it is. It's called Macintosh, and this is so much better that it's going to beat you. And we are going to do it. And that's what Apple stood for. I realized that when, to, to have the level of success that I, I want to have, it's difficult to spread it out and do multiple things. You know, it's, it's in order to, to be world class, and I've made a decision, I want to be world class. And it just, it takes such a desperate, obsessive focus yeah. to, to excel on, a, on, a, on the level that, that I want to make movies. You know, I was uh, Star Wars when I was young. I sat in a movie theater and watched Star Wars, and I just couldn't believe that that movie made me feel like that. Just floored 
and just stunned by the creativity. And just I'm realizing that in order to move people in that way, in order to touch people in that way, you really got to focus with all of your fiber and all of your heart and all of your creativity. Failure is part of life. I yeah. mean, uh, the difference for me, though, is I look at failure as a stepping stone to success. It's a, it's a speed bump. Uh, I know I'm going to fail, um, but it's not failure if you learn something. And so, gosh, I've, I've made so many mistakes. I've screwed so many things up. But every time I do, it just becomes it becomes a way for me to explain to someone else what it takes. You know, it's like, here's what I've done. I, I think I have the ability to influence people because I talk about my failures. I talk about all the things that mess me up, but I show people that I didn't let them stop me and you don't need to stop you. And I think, I think that's really the secret matter. Right. And if everything you touch was successful, you First probably won't be able to relate to people as much. No, right? you'll be relate. And also, it's be total bullshit. Right. And everyone knows it's bullshit. And also, you'd be bored silly. Right. I mean, think about it. If you just said, I want this and it happened, I want this and it happened, you know, people don't value what they don't fight for. You know, it's like you see kids sometimes, in a, you know, your parents will say, you're not going to value this if you don't work for it. And you're a kid going, I'll value it, just give it to me. Right? <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. You know, the things yeah. we've worked the hardest for, we value the most. Yeah. So I think, you know, the purpose of a goal is not getting it anyway. The purpose of a goal, you know, is what who you become. Who right. you become is going to make you happier, it's going right. to make you sad. Yeah. So, um I, I'm not looking for an effortless approach. Sure, sure, there's, sure. there's no such thing. I have an old-fashioned belief that I can only should expect to make money in things that I understand. And when I say understand, I don't mean understand, you know, what the product does or anything like that. I mean understand what the economics of the business are likely to look at, look like 10 years from now or 20 years from now. I know in general what the economics of, say, Wrigley chewing gum will look like 10 years from now. The Internet isn't going to change the way people chew gum. It isn't going to change which gum they chew. You know, if you own the chewing gum market in a big way, and you've got double mint and spearmint and juicy fruit, those brands will be there 10 years from now. So I can't pinpoint exactly what the numbers are going to look like on Wrigley, but I'm not going to be way off if I try to look forward on something like that. That evaluating that company is within what I call my circle of competence. I understand what they do, I understand the economics of it, I understand the competitive aspects of the business. So figuring out the economic consequences, TV, I think there's, I don't know, 20, 25 million cents a year sold in the United States. I don't think there's one of them made in the United States anymore. I mean, you'd say TV set manufacturer, what a wonderful business. I mean, everybody, now nobody had a TV in 1950. Or thereabouts, 45 to 50. Everybody has multiple sets now, but nobody is in the United States has made any real money making the sets. They're all out of business. You know, the Magnavoxes, the RCAs, all of those companies. Radio was the equivalent of the 20. Over 500 companies making radios in the 1920s. Again, I don't think there's a, a U.S. radio manufacturer at the present time. But Coca-Cola, you know, what was it, 1884, Jacob's Pharmacy or whatever, the fellow comes up with something, a lot of co copiers over the years, but now you've got a company that is selling roughly 1.1 billion eight ounce servings of its product, not all Cokes, Bright and some others, daily throughout the world 117 years later. So understanding the economic characteristics of a business is different than predicting the fact that an industry is going to do wonderfully. So when I look at the internet businesses or I look at tech businesses, I say this is a marvelous thing and I love to play around on the computer and it, I order my books from Amazon and all kinds of things, but I don't know who's going to win. 
unless I know who's going to win, I'm not interested in investing. I'll just play around on the computer. And, uh, uh, <laughs> defining your circle of competence is the most important aspect of investing. It's not how important, uh, how, how large your circle is. You don't have to be an expert on everything. But knowing where the perimeter of that circle of what you know and what you don't know is, and staying inside of it, is all important. Tom Watson Sr., who started IBM, said in his book, he said, I'm no genius, he said, but I'm smart in spots, and I stay around those spots. And, you know, that is the key. Uh, so if I understand a few things, and I stick in that arena, I'll do okay. And if I don't understand something, but I get all excited about it because my neighbors are talking about it, and the stocks are going up and everything, they start fooling around someplace else, eventually I'll get cream, and I should. That whatever you do, somebody can do it better. You have to bring your A game in every single day. There's nothing unique about any one individual. What's unique is their passion, their ability to execute, to meet targets and exceed them. The minute you lose that ability, in capitalism, you're gone. It's a fair trade. The engine that makes you rich can take it all away from you. There are no guarantees. I think that's incredibly important. Everyone has a problem with time. But the day is 24 hours, and we sleep six. Now, I know there are some out there that say, whoa, 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 whoa. I need eight. Well, I say just sleep a little faster. Because the bottom line is we have six hours of sleep, 24 hours are available, so you have 18 hours now available to your work, your family, your hobbies, and also to learn something new or to do something new, which could easily be that you want to learn a new language or that you want to read as a, you know, a newest resolution after read a book every week. Or you say, I'm going to go and reshape my body. So you're going to go and take this hour out of your schedule and say, I'm going to train an hour every day. So this is, for most people, a huge challenge, but it is totally doable, I can tell them, because the kind of things that I did when I came to this country, I mean, I went to school, I was working in construction, I was working out my five hours a day, I was taking acting classes from 8 o'clock at night to 12 midnight, I was doing all of those things. I wanted to make sure that out of the 24 hours of the day, that I don't waste one single hour. Those hours were too precious. And so there I just want to tell people, don't give me this thing, I have a difficult time with the time and I don't have time for this and I don't have that. You have time. You make the time. There is an advantage to being what I like to call now hardcore. Hardcore. I don't know quite how to describe it.